Hello, 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 and welcome to Talk Social to Me. I am your host, Mackenzie, and today, lovely Ben and I talk all about the metaverse and their new marketing ploy, which is, you know, interesting. We also talk all about Instagram's latest insights on why they suggest certain posts to you, and we talk about TikTok, and we all know I'm a little bit of a TikTok hater. So let's just jump right into the episode. Hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. How are you doing today? Fantastic. How about yourself? I'm okay. <laughs> that sounds that sounds way more ominous than what it meant. I am just tired today. We'll, we'll liven you up with some stimulating conversation. I don't know if you read this, but I'm in like an NFT for girls. I hate that. I hate that terminology like NFT for girls, but it's just like women who want to empower other women and to like crypto and NFT. Yep. And I got a newsletter from them the other day that was breaking down like different news articles and different things, kind of like what our newsletter does. Talk social to me, please subscribe. And there was something on there that really caught my attention because it was about the metaverse and something they're doing with marketing. And they are creating this world in the metaverse for movies, for TV shows, and where people can actually go in with their little Metatar avatar and explore a certain movie scene. So right now they're doing something with the gray man on Netflix and you can explore this little world with your little avatar. And I thought that was such an interesting marketing ploy. Is this like after the movie has been released or before? So this is after the movie movie has been released. Right now you can go in the, into the metaverse. Yeah. Do you remember what the metaverse's world is actually called? I have no idea. I've never I've never been in the metaverse. You've I'm, never been into the metaverse? No, have you? No. <laughs> Am I the only one? Do I got to get one of those headsets? I honestly feel like I should create an avatar and explore this because it seems like we're just going to keep continuing talking about it. I kind of want to. We should, right? D does it cost to be in the metaverse? I don't know anything about it. Well, you need the device, right? Oh, well, crap. And can you, does any like VR headset, can you go into Meta's metaverse or do you need, like, do, make, do they make their own? I guess they own Oculus, so it's probably an Oculus. Yeah, I believe so. So many things to know. But it's I think for, for the whole application of promoting movies, like, I think that can be, can be successful, especially if it's, a, if it's done well. I just can't speak on if it's done well because I haven't been in there yet. But I, I could see it becoming really engaging because I know as a fan of certain things, to say like I was a big Pokemon, I still am a big Pokemon guy. But like, so say they had like a Pokemon experience, I would totally check that out. So I think if they can get the IP right in terms of the movies that are actually are attached to it, I could see it being really successful because as a fan, I would hop in. I just... The graphics. I think the graphics are really going to throw them off. And I think that's something that they really, really need to improve. On Blockworks.co, they actually talked about Netflix building the Gray Man Metaverse experience okay. into, it's called Decentraland. Yep. That is what it's called. So they have some images of the graphics inside this post and it's not good. Like it looks grainy? Is that the it, issue? Yeah, it looks grainy. It just looks... I will send you a photo, but okay. it is not, it's not up to snuff. It's not up to what anybody would want when it comes to exploring VR. At least me, like as somebody who really isn't into video games, maybe I'm completely out of the loop here. Yeah. And I'm thinking it should be like beautiful, but 
this just seems, I don't know, like very, very, very early 2000s, early 90s kind of graphics. It's that bad. To me, but maybe I'm wrong and people, this is what people want. I mean, we are bringing back the early 2000s in our fashion. Maybe we're bringing it back in our graphics when it comes to video games. Yeah. Who knows? I, yeah. I think that's one, one of the hardest things that they've had to improve upon is the like the, the, the viewing experience and also the latency, latency of it. I think they've solved the latency for the most part, but the graphics, I'm sure that'll become an ever-evolving thing between both the hardware and the software. So I, I got to see pictures of this. Where do I find this? I want to see what it looks like. <laughs> I stuck it in the chat for you to view. Okay, so I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, okay, that does look like <laughs> pretty grainy. It's not great, right? Like, why would anybody want to... Like, first of all, the studio has to pay for the ex experience to uh -huh. be a part of this. Why is a st studio spending money on the marketing into something that not a lot of people are in currently? And the graphics look like that. Yeah, it looks very cartoony. And for a live action movie, I watched The Gray Man. It doesn't look <laughs> like The Gray Man. <laughs> so obviously, this is very early in terms of what this could become. But yeah, I, I wonder... Who's benefiting from this more? Is it Meta or is it these like these movie companies? I don't know. This is strange. I'm curious also if this was this is the first time I've ever heard about this and it's been around for a bit. Yeah. So, like you said, I don't understand who the target audience is. If it's been around, I haven't heard anybody talking about it until like two days ago and I had to search for it or I saw it on a on a newsletter. I only heard about it from from you. <laughs> so <laughs> So I had no clue. It, it, where were, So where is this more advertised? Like two people on Facebook? Or is this something that Netflix says, go over to Meta, do this? I'm curious if it's that or if they're just trying to target people who are in the crypto NFT world because Centraland mm. is very much yes. targeted towards NFTers. Yeah. So I'm curious if that's who their main target is. But NFTs are on the decline at the moment. The cost of them, just people buying into them. So, and Meta obviously is going super hardcore towards NFTs. And are they, do they know something that we don't know? Like what's going on? <laughs> like yeah. all of that. Well, I think there's, there, NFTs are slowing down in general, but it's going to be very cyclical, I believe, in terms of NFTs adoption. So this was probably put into effect while it was still super, super hot. And by the time it's rolled out, it's no longer as hot, but they still already made it. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, and it'll, I'm sure there'll be a resurgence of NFTs in the next, like, who knows, six months, a year, these things come and then they go. And then the court of public opinion is like, Oh, NFTs are back. And then everything starts going up the price of them, the interest of them. Like we, we we're all very emotional creatures and, and we kind of ride with what everyone else is doing. So once we decide that NFTs are back, they will be back. So I think I think the technology will be massively adopted, and maybe this is just be, maybe why it looks so grainy and everything is because this is very early. Yeah, and also you can change things. You can bu you can still buy stuff in Decentraland. Like you can still yeah. purchase clothes. You can purchase different like things for your meta home. I honestly, I really need to buy into this because I don't understand what's going on. But it's like we're gonna have. And I, I've told you this, and we've talked about this on the podcast. I do think in the next five years, we're all going to be in a virtual reality. And I know, yeah, and I know that sounds very extreme to a lot of people. Like when I talk to friends who aren't in social media and they hear about this stuff, they're like, no, 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 there's no way. There's no way. 
But think of how quickly social media progressed when we first got it in 2010, 2006 with Twitter, like it, it quickly evolved and we quickly all adapted to it. Like a lot of people don't like change. Obviously there are early adopters, but for the masses to come along, it takes some time. Like for example, there was a ton of articles about the internet being a fad. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, look, and like look back on that and how poorly that has aged. So I think technology wins and eventually, although people are scared by it, if it is a superior way of doing things, it will eventually win. And so if, if, if the right minds are there and they can make the right experiences, it's just a matter of, of when, not if, in my opinion. So I, I think the five-year timeline is probably pretty accurate because I think the cost of the wearables will go down. I think yep. the ease of access will go up and also like the ease of uh, the user experience. I think that's another thing. It's not just getting the device. It's also figuring out how to use it. Like these are a lot of things that the average person just doesn't want to sign up for. No. And I also think that... Like you said, there needs to be more and more people adapting to it, which I think is going to happen. Obviously, we've talked about during Amazon Prime Day, the cost of some of the devices that Facebook was selling went mm -hmm. down or they were just basically giving them out for free. Yeah. So and I think that is key because that's a really good marketing plan to get more of these devices into people's homes. And it's similar to how Amazon Alexa works, how Google Home works, the more and more people that get these into the homes, it's easier for them to be like, oh, well, let me just try this out and let me experiment with this and see how it is. And then eventually we're just going to slowly roll into all being part of the metaverse. Absolutely. I think adoption, the easier you make it, the cheaper you make it, the better. And it's very much a long-term play that they're making. And it's exactly like the like the home things that we talked about before. It's the exact same sort of play where you, you want this in your in their hands because if this becomes a big part of their daily life, then this becomes how they make a lot more decisions. And that means a lot more money. So yeah, it'll, it'll probably come to a point where the technology will, will be sold very inexpensively. It's crazy. Honestly, it's crazy. And I, like I said, I talk to friends all the time about it and they don't believe me. And I see us slowly becoming Wally characters. And... Is that a bad thing? Who knows? Is it a good thing? Out. Who knows? But I even have a friend who does, she does meditation on a VR set every single morning. She cannot function throughout her day without her doing her VR meditation every single morning. And I was like, that's it right there. You're slowly starting to do it. See, I was going to ask that because obviously with us working in social, you got to assume that the next evolution of social will be VR. You, you, you know what I mean? Like VR driven content and some sort of TikTok al like algorithm where you're watching this content now all in VR and you swipe through. Oh, like yeah. th th that'll probably be the next iteration of content because we've reached a point now where it's like, what more can you do besides photo and video? Right. And that's seems like what else would more would you want to do? But if you can make it a three dimensional experience, that's a, that's now the next level. Yeah. I mean, Snapchat already kind of does that, where yeah. they try to integrate VR all the time with their application. People like brands buying, like clothing brands buying into mm. it, where they're like, try on our clothes virtually, yeah. like submit a photo, and then you can try on your, our clothes. So obviously that, I mean, that has to be the next step. That is, you're right. I believe in Ben, and Ben says that the next thing is going to be our VR, <laughs> and it's true. I think it'll have to take like you said, the, the adoption, but it'll go that way. Because like, if you ask people before the smartphone that all of us would have a smartphone in our hand, 
Like no one would, would have believed that person. They, they would have been like, you're crazy. You're insane. And now this is honestly like your identity in a box, like who you are lives on this thing. So yeah. the, if they can make the VR headsets less crazy to carry around with you, because that's the portability of this is exactly what makes it so tied to us. So if they can achieve even something relatively similar with the visuals, like maybe it's glasses that get to that level. Like who knows, right? Like yeah. We're still so early in this, but I, I think it's just gonna be a more immersive experience and people want better. Like that's, that's like our underlying nature of being a human. So if this can get us that, it's eventually gonna win. There was a tweet that you responded to the other day that kind of made me pause where somebody had said it's crazy to think about the camera that we have on our phones and just like all the things that we have just at our fingertips through the use of our phone Mm -hmm. and you responded like yeah I think about this all the time it's absolutely wild and I don't know why reading that made me go holy shit that's so true (laughs) just everything is at our fingertips all the time it's absurd in this little box that I'm holding in my hand. And if you're just listening, I'm holding a phone in my hand. There is now <laughs> a computer that previously would have taken up a home of, in terms of computing power, a 4K camera that would previously have cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And the, and the access to infinite information all right here. So it is absolutely absurd when you think about it like that. And like whenever I kind of get like sad or something like that, I just think about Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I literally go there right away. I'm like, that is absurd. I could like call, even like the, even a phone call. Like that, I know that sounds like very basic stuff, but you can literally reach anyone you want in a moment. Like that's absurd. All the time. Yeah. All the time. And you can, you can get entertained. You can get educated. Like it's, I find it hard to complain about things when I think about that. I'm just like, this is truly nuts. I will say I went to a festival this weekend and there were like 16, 17 year olds there. Yeah. And on the train ride back, there were these kids trying to figure out a disposable camera, just oh, like no. the little like twisty ones that you point and shoot. They actually had one. They had one and none of them could figure out how to make it work. That's amazing. They're like, w- like, what do you do? And I was, I'm Did sitting there them? like, yeah, I was just like, you twist that and then click that and that's it. That's done. So and crazy. they thought it was the wildest thing they've ever heard. They were just like, what do you mean? You can't see the photo. I'm like, that's the point. That's the point. Yeah, that, that's the whole thing right there. I was like, your generation, I say this like as if I'm the Super oldest old. person in the planet. <laughs> Jesus. But I mean, Gen Zs are obsessed with film. They're obsessed with getting things developed and being like authentic. And the fact that I, a millennial, an old millennial at that, had to show them how to take a photo from a disposable camera was just really funny to me. That is hilarious. Yeah, my sister is only seven years younger than me, and I don't think she'd be able to, or even know what that is. <laughs> like, honestly, I don't even know if, like, besides the, 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 there was one that was really popular for a long time that had the, it was very colorful and stuff, like, but it printed really small photos. Oh, the she's Insta pro- text? Or- exactly, yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. she's seen one of those, but a true traditional, like, n- classic disposable camera, I'm sure she'd be like, what is this contraption? <laughs> Well, and then I found out that they're 20 pounds or they're $20. Like they're very expensive now when yeah. back in the day you could get them for four bucks. They're, so they're tw- and so does, that, does that include the film too? So it's just the little digital camera, like the Kodak's one that you could get from Walmart or whatever. Yeah. And no, so you still have to get the film developed. It's just $20 for the camera. And where does one get it developed? You can get it developed at Walmart or you can send it in. They still do that. Okay. Yeah, they still do it. Okay. 
Well, I'm looking into this now. <laughs> it's so expensive. I was like, why is it $20 for this? Yeah, that's probably a, uh, a, a few things like a scaling issue because they're not doing as yeah. many of them. So they've raised the price and also like ink's expensive. So I'm sure they do. They do that. But there, there's a lot to be said for the, like, the nostalgia and the whole experience of having a disposable camera. And I guess that's why or what kind of b-reels going for we talked about them a few times but yeah the whole like being there in the moment like there was a lot of fun in taking a photo on a disposable camera and not knowing what you're gonna get and some of them are crap <laughs> some of them are like amazing you're like whoa this actually worked like, like that was a whole experience my mom used to do that all the time i have to go with her to costco like all the time because that's where she got hers <laughs> developed yeah and there'd be like these heaps and heaps of photos and a lot of them would be like the same photo <laughs> but, yeah but it was all part of the fun that's all you did. We would just take random photos and it was so cheap to get them developed. That's but since you mentioned Be Real, while on the train and while at the festival, I can't even begin to tell you how many people are like, Be Real, it's time, it's time. Yeah, see, it's so funny that uh, it, it keeps coming up, which is obviously a testament to, to what they're currently achieving. But mm -hmm. I follow a lot of people in the social media space and... I think someone reported that they're the number one free app right now or something yeah. like that. Like, so that's something crazy. And in his thread, he said, yeah, like there's been other apps that have done this before in the past that have fizzled out. And I have to agree with them. Like, I don't, again, I, maybe I sound like a hater here, but I just don't see how this stays around. Cause I'm already, I actually posted my first be real in a very long time. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And before that I hadn't posted one in weeks. Yeah. So I was already fatigued by it. Yeah, just all the kids on the train were like, oh, it's be real it. moment. And but the way that they weren't actually being authentic with the be real. Oh, where they're mm. like all staging each other. They're like, we got to make sure that we're getting this nice light from the train and like all this other stuff. I was like, but you're still it's not being authentic. You you want to be authentic. This isn't it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at his tweet right now. Brendan, I think it's gone. Is that how to pronounce his last name? He's awesome. He talks about social media stuff all the time. And he's like, be real is having its moment in the sun. It's the number one in the app store and it's celebrated as the Instagram killer. He's like, but we've seen this before and it won't last. And I, and I have to agree with him. But, I mean, it is an interesting point and it's, I wonder what were the other, did he mention the other apps that tried to do the same thing? Yes. Yeah, so he mentioned, so not the same thing per se, but that had this same kind of huge rise and then drop off. So he said paparazzi. I don't even remember that one. So, oh, that was a couple months ago, and okay. that was yeah, <laughs> a couple months and it's already ago. died. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> there we go. A few months ago, uh, Clubhouse that had yeah. a pretty long one, but that was so, in my opinion, that was so timing driven. Like that was the pandemic that made that success. Those are the two that he mentioned. He said, "While I'm rooting for Be Real, it won't last." <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I have to agree with the man. Like a lot of people who hate on these social media platforms, they don't think about the logistics behind it. And as almost all of them now at this point are publicly traded companies, like that matters a lot because that totally yeah. dictates their entire decision-making, the feasibility of the whole business. And they are businesses. As much as we want them to think that they're just purely this gateway to an audience, they're, an, they're a business first. And that's where I see Be Real having a lot of trouble is how do they make money? They don't. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, like how do they ever? And so we live in a world of startups where they can run a loss for a long period of time. But I've actually spent a lot of time because I'll just randomly think about things at night. And I was thinking about be real. And I, I was running through scenarios of like, how do we turn this into a business? And I was struggling to come up with ways that would be long-term viable and sustainable for 
the kind of overhead that this would require, right? Like people don't think about how much goes into an app. Like you need a maintenance team with developers. You need servers to maintain all the distribution of content. You need like customer support. Like there's so much that goes into making this function. It's not just a photo. You know what I mean? So yeah. I can only imagine their overhead and I can't think of that many ways where you could make a ton of money. The only thing I could think of is that they put ads in between the images, but then that's going to kick so many people off the app because they don't want that. Yeah, that, then then we're Instagram. Like yeah. that, then it's the same thing. And then, so that's why as a disruption is very difficult in this space. And that's why it was so cool that TikTok achieved it. But that's because they had something that was different. Like, and their difference was the algorithm. Like their algorithm was unique. So I don't know how Be Real is going to get that kind of unique innovation, but I hope to be proven very wrong. For any, if, if you're involved with Be Real, please prove me wrong. I want to be wrong. <laughs> we just want to see people succeed. And you know what? We love social media over here. We love competition. So that's what we want. It gives us something to talk about too. So I, I appreciate exactly. <laughs> you for, for grinding and getting up to number one. And I am rooting for you. And I think the I just, I just think about money there. And I'm like, how do you do that? Yeah, it's going to be incredibly challenging but kind of a little bit of a segue yeah talking about recommended posts on instagram and just like seeing ads and things recently and i think it was just actually last week instagram shared their insights into how they actually suggest posts to you okay and honestly it's not rocket science it's felt very like oh well no shit Yeah, because they were like, it's the algorithm. We see what you like. We see what you're engaging with. We see what you're sharing with your friends. However, I was like, well, isn't that just the explore page? Like if you go to the explore page, wouldn't that just be all the stuff that you see there? The key difference, though, with the suggested post on your feed is that they're trying to make it seem like you could already follow that person. Mm. Yes. So you're scrolling through and they want to share content. So they, the algorithm basically looks at everybody you follow, sees what kind of posts that they already put out there. And so the algorithm is suggesting posts that could already be in your feed from people you follow. Mm. Yeah, it, so it does make a totally difference. different experience. I agree. And when So I do snooze all of my suggested posts for 30 days. You I am that, that person. I know. <laughs> Oops. But when before I did that or before they allowed that option... I sometimes would get thrown off where I'd be like, oh, that's a really cool post and engage with it. And I'm like, oh, I wonder who did that and scroll up a little bit be like, this is a suggested post. And I was like, this is what they're trying to do. This is how they're trying to get small content creators, even bigger content creators to grow on their platform because somebody will see it in their feed and be like, hey, this is really cool. I'm going to follow this person because this looks like the content that I would want to follow anyway. So in that, it then leads me to ask you, why'd you turn it off? If, if you're saying that you literally, it worked, and then you're saying you turned it off. So what was it about it that was the issue? I think it was because I was getting too many. Okay, so it was the volume of them. Yeah, which they agreed, which Adam Mosseri, Mosseri, sorry, our Adam, our buddy. <laughs> our, our buddy, our boy, even he agreed that they rolled it out too quickly and were sending way too many suggested posts on people's feeds. Okay. But... I think if the volume of it was less, mm-hmm. I would have kept it on. Okay. So just the sheer number of them in your face. Yeah. Okay. I, it was just every other one was a suggested post. And I was just like this, eh, I don't want this. Yeah. So how does, 
So you follow enough accounts where there probably is enough content to show you a decent amount. But for people that aren't following that many accounts, how do you suggest they would handle that situation? Because if, if what do you mean? Like, so if, if someone's say someone's following a hundred people and mm -hmm. they don't put suggestions or many suggestions into someone's timeline, there's not gonna be enough content to show them to keep them on there for longer than a few minutes max. Mm -hmm. So like, how would you suggest that they handle someone in that situation? Oh, I really don't know, okay. to be honest, because I think I follow probably about 800 people. I don't follow like a ton, but that mm -hmm. still is a lot. I think for me, it was really, it was distracting because I was seeing so many. Yeah. And I think maybe, I don't know how you kind of, I don't know. I'm just like, this is where Instagram is right now. And you can tell like they're also trying to figure out this end goal for themselves and keeping people on the app. And I think there should, there needs to be a balance, but how do you get that balance? It, I do not envy them trying to figure out this solution. Yeah. I was, I was actually thinking about making a, a post because obviously I roast in, in good fun. I roast Masseria a lot on our TikTok, And so I was actually thinking about doing just like a talking head one being like, he's trying his best. I think, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because like, but honestly, yeah, like we all can sit up and say all like, we can all be backseat CEOs and, and say how easy it would be to change this. But there's so much that goes into these decisions. And also you, you, you can only do so many things and you can also only change so many things. So I, I think they're trying. I, I still think that Instagram has so much value for a lot of things. And I still think there's a lot of things that they do better than TikTok. Although people love to love TikTok. Plus I've been seeing a lot of people blow up on Instagram as of late because of how hard they're pushing real. So if you get behind that, you're going to get traction, but I get why people are frustrated. It's just, they, you're in, you're bound to have this problem when they throw so much into one thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. eventually you're going to be like, how do you have the perfect mix of everything when there's 400 things to put into the equation? Like that's a very hard recipe to hit. I was talking to our podcast editor. Hi James. Yeah. Um, this week or last week about how his entire feed basically is reels. Yep. And I said, that's so fascinating to me because hardly any of my posts are reels that I see on my feed. Wow. I maybe, I maybe see one reel and I was, I just don't ever engage with reels. It's not something that I like. See, well, I do, I do like them, but it's not something that I spend time pausing the app and looking at. I spend more time pausing on photos and carousel posts and Instagram knows this and sends that you. to me. Okay. So I like that because... I'm scrolling right now and everything I've seen has been real. Really? I've been scrolling for a few minutes now. Or that's an exaggeration, a minute. So I've probably seen, still, I've yet to see a static image. Mine's like 95.5. See, so maybe it's not as broken as you think because I static. traditionally do experience, or I typically engage more with video. And so mm -hmm. I'm seeing video. And if you're saying that you do mostly static and you're seeing that, then maybe... Maybe we shouldn't be roasting them as much as we are because... Well, and that's what Adam was saying in his, basically like his long spiel when people were being like, make on. Instagram, Instagram again. He was saying, we want you to see photos if that's what you like. You'll see photos if you actually like photos. You'll see reels if you're engaging with reels. And yes. that's exactly what I've been noticing because I stop, pause, engage. I make sure to like photos. And the more that I've been liking photos recently, the more photos I see on my feed. 
And I never hit the reels tab because I'm just like, I don't want that content. That content for me is for TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I know I'll get lost in like a little suck hole of reels if I click that. I know last week we talked about a very controversial guy named Andrew Tate. And so, and we talked about how the algorithm would like suck you into that. I've called it the mm-hmm. Tatrix. <laughs> <laughs> because he always talks about avoiding the matrix, but he's creating his own through the content. So you're, you're right. Like they learn very, very quickly. And, and that's the thing too. It's not wrong. We just proved it in real time that what we want, we are getting, but it's just like, there's no, there's no right answer, unfortunately. No. And I think more and more people are going to stick to reels because they were told in their brain, I will only grow if I use reels. Yes. But the thing is people are using the app differently. That's end all be all. People are using the app differently. We are using it way differently than we did in 2016. There's way more people on the app Mm -hmm. now. And unfortunately we follow way more people than we did in 2016. So we're not going to see all of our friends, all of the content creators that we follow. We're not going to see all their content. It's just not going to happen. No. And and what you just said, there was a fantastic point as well, because the value, like this, the value or connection you have with your audience matters so much more than the sheer volume or size of it. Right. And I think we all get so fixated on the sheer number of people, but if you're getting in hundreds of thousands that are very low value or not that interested, I'd rather have who I could attract for more engaged content, whether that be static. Maybe I'm trying to reach a hundred Mackenzie's. I'd rather reach you with the static images than a hundred thousand Ben's that follow away more. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that aren't the right people. So I think if you can still get in front of the right people, that's what matters more than the sheer number of people that aren't that high value to you and your business and your goals. Exactly. And this is going to be a weird example, but I always think of this example. Dua Lipa. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's a celebrity. Yes, she has thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. She never posts a reel. Really? And she, her, she has some of the highest engagement on Instagram. That's a great example. Most of her stuff is carousel post, but it's because people engage with her content. They love her. They want to follow her. They want to see her. So they're engaging with her content. And as soon as they engage, her posts go to the top of their feed. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen with all of your all the people that you follow. Yeah. If you're engaging with a certain part of their content, it's going to show up on your feed. 100%. Yeah, great. And I think that's another great point you dropped there too, is that great content will win. So even if they're saying that they're going to push reels, so reels may be a, an easier route to grow if you do them. But if you have great static images, I still believe that you're going to find a way to win. You, you know what I mean? Like if, if they, they track the, the use of the app. So even if a smaller percentage of people see your static image, if they love that static image, it's eventually going to get pushed to more people because... Instagram's not going to turn away bad data because it helps them run their business. So if they think, hey, that this is going to help us be more successful, then it's going to work. And that's why I think there are tons of people who are still finding quick success with, say, like quotes and things of that nature that are static because they're writing great content. Yeah. And I've talked about her before, but a friend of yeah. mine, she writes poetry. Yes. And she just did her first reel. <laughs> but she's been doing this, I think, officially now for six to eight months. Okay. She has 25,000 followers in the past six to eight months. She all started it all from static images. And it's just poetry. How did the reels go? Was it more successful, less about the same? Ooh, let's see. I actually, I saw it and I didn't engage with it. Oh, is, no. I'm a bad friend. I'm so sorry, Lindsay. You truly I'm going to engage reels. with it right now. So her normal posts get about, you can see this, like 2,000 likes. Yeah. A static image. Okay. That's a lot. Here's the reel. It only got 390 likes, the oh, wow. reel. 
How long ago was that posted? That was posted July 26th. So almost a month ago. Okay. Wow. Yeah, see, I would guess that that maybe because she just doesn't have enough positive data when it comes to that kind of content. So they're less likely to take a chance on her content because she hasn't proven it yet. So I'm, I would guess and I hypothesize that if she put out a few more consistently, that that would then turn. And then I think that there's just far more serious virality potential with reels. And that's what gets people so fixated on it is because they can get one that has a million views. How much yeah. does that really move the needle for you? That's highly debatable, but people love seeing that number and they're like, wow, like that, that's a showstopper. And that's really what got a ton of creators really hooked on TikTok is that, that they want that, that million, you know what I mean? And so I hope that people can see that that's also available on Instagram too, because it happens all the time. It does. It really does. And I'm curious, do you actually engage with reels or TikToks? Like, does it make you like it? Do you comment on them? Or do you just kind of look at it and go, watch the entire thing and then scroll? Yeah. So I try to limit my consumption as much as possible because I'm aware of how addicting it is. But when I'm in there and I, I use engagement, I mostly do it just for storing purposes. So I save things into lists and categories more than I do like, like I don't, I've, I've probably liked in my whole time on TikTok under a few hundred things, which that's, that number sounds high, but that's so low. When you think about how many things yeah. I've consumed, I truly yeah. don't engage that much. I comment very periodically and I almost never like, unless I know the person and I'm trying to support them in particular. Yeah. But apart yeah. from that, when I just see content, I will watch it if I think it's good and I might save it if I want to come back to it later into certain lists or I'll send it to people on my team and whatnot or people I know being like, you should see this kind of deal. Yeah. But uh, very infrequently do I like. I never like, yeah. which is weird. And I don't do it on reels either. I feel, and I've, we've talked about this before, I believe, where we just engage with content so differently nowadays where in the past we were always so worried about how many likes we had on the post, how many comments we had on the post. And now we all engage in like saves or sending DMs to our friends being like, oh, look at this. I just saw this. I thought you'd like it. But I was thinking about this the other day. I really don't like any TikToks. I don't really follow anybody on TikTok. And there was a recent study that just came out about TikTok where Taylor Lorenz, um, I think that's her name on, she's like a big influencer person who writes about influencers, but she was stating that it's almost impossible to even reach a million followers on TikTok anymore. Yeah. I, I, one thing I've noticed is that, and I, they probably do this to keep creators going, but there'll be spikes and then very slow growth and then a random spike probably right mm -hmm. when they know that you're right about to quit and then they give you a spike <laughs> they're like, Come on dopamine, in. and they're like, I've got you again. And then they slow <laughs> it right down. And then shoo, shoo. But I will also say that, that, that naturally kind of happens because a lot of people, whether they're knowing this or not, they have like a niche and then occasionally they'll touch a far more broad appeal topic. And then like that will go viral. And then it starts this, right? So if you see mm -hmm. people that are covering wildly universal topics of interest all the time, they can still, Go viral, I would say, but it takes that to, to reach the masses. It's not as easy as it once was. It's probably the best way I would describe it. Yeah, I think it's that. But also, how often do you even follow people on TikTok? When I go through my For You page, I consistently see the 
same type of people, the same people's videos over and over. So I'm like, oh, there's really no point in me actually following this person. Yeah, that's so funny because I think that there's so many people that go the other way and they follow like crazy. You know what I mean? Like oh, they follow because yeah. it's so easy to just tap that button and not think about it later. But so I guess that shows you that it doesn't really matter because I'm sure there's a ton of people that follow a lot that never see those those people ever again. Like yeah, I, the people that I do follow, I never see their content. Yeah, it's, so it's so strange. And I think that that is the way that content is going. It's far much, it's far less of a follow-based algorithm and far more based on how you interact with it, right? Like how how they can track that you actually watched it and how you engage with it that way, which is fascinating because it changed things so much because when Instagram was all based on who you followed, like that was a big deal to follow something or to follow someone. And by changing it up, it kind of reduces how much that means. Yeah. TikTok's been around for how long now? A couple of years, I would say. As TikTok, I think since 2018 or 2019. But before that, it was musically for a few years. So I find it interesting that on Instagram, you could consistently grow your account, grow your followers all the way up until probably like this past year. I think this past year has been really hard on people on people to grow on Instagram or harder, like people, like they've had to figure out like different reels, had to figure out different, their niche audience. I feel like it's been a lot harder for a lot of people. However, on TikTok, it's only, TikTok's only been around for a few years and I feel like it's now getting stagnant with mm. the amount of growth that you can actually get on the account. Okay. So it's, it's, re- it's reaching an inflection point where it can no longer be what it once was. Yeah. And I think that is re- there's going to be a shift there. In the next few months, I think people are going to be commenting on this a lot more that they can't grow on TikTok and make TikTok TikTok again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you're probably right. Everything is, goes in cycles. And I think that that's probably coming. It's a it's simple supply and demand issue, right? There's more and more people flooding that are creating. Mm-hmm. And naturally, the, growth of users has to slow down once everyone has it. Like it reaches a point where there's only so many people that can have the app. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, I'll be curious to see if all these people start rioting against TikTok as much as they did against Instagram. Yeah. And want TikTok to be TikTok again. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening today. Hopefully you made it through the entire podcast. And we are so appreciative. And if you like this, please give it a five-star review because it helps us get into the ears of more people and on the feeds of more people. And that would just make our days. Absolutely. Thank you, as always, for listening. And be sure to check us out on all of the socials. We are everywhere. We're on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. And we have a fantastic newsletter called... It's also called Talk Social to Me, correct? It is. It is called Talk Social to Me. See, everything has a purpose here. And uh, it is great. (laughs) So go ahead and subscribe to that. You will not be disappointed. No, you won't. I hope not. All right. Well, we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Peace.